as Mother's Day is coming around, oh, I find I'm missing my mom more and more. And there's always questions and stories I wish I had asked her when she was still here. I do remember that I gave her a book once upon a time with questions for her to write the answers to. And bless her heart, she didn't answer very many. So that was really a disappointment. But fast forward to now and technology. And now we have mylifeinabook.com. It takes all those questions and stories and it puts it in a format that is sent to your person, whoever you designate, on a regular basis so that the prompts come, they're easily answered either written or voice to text, and they're captured by mylifeinabook.com. These family stories, this legacy that you want to leave for your children and your grandchildren. Mylifeinabook.com, create an unforgettable gift for your mom, your dad, your children this Mother's Day. Use our coupon code ONBOYS for 10% off. Go to mylifeinabook.com and use ONBOYS for 10% off. Create that legacy. Carry on those stories. There's never been a better time to raise a boy. Hear why our guest thinks that that's true. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of boyslive.com. Thanks for being here, and thanks for supporting our sponsors. That really means a lot to us, and you know, if you buy something from one of our sponsors, post about it. Tag us. And now, On Boys. Today's guest, Michael Reichert, says there's never been a better time to raise a son. He also recently co-authored a State of American Men report, which revealed, unsurprisingly to most of us, that today's boys and men are struggling. So today we're going to dig into that seeming contradiction. Let me take a minute to introduce our guest. Those of you who have been longtime listeners may have remembered that we had a conversation with him a few years ago. Dr. Michael Reichert is a psychologist, founding director of the Center for the Study of Boys and Girls' Lives, and the author of How to Raise a Boy, The Power of Connection to Build Good Men. He's also a father, a grandfather, and one of our all-time favorite guests. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Janet. Nice being with you both. So let's start with that that assertion. There's never been a better time to raise a son. That doesn't feel true for a lot of our listeners. I reached out to some of my Building Boys followers, and about 80% disagreed with that statement. So why do you say it's the best time? Well, partly it's for that very reason, actually, um, because there is such a cloud of pessimism that hangs over the project of raising a boy. And I understand it, but I see my job in some ways as trying to put it in perspective. Yeah. So, you know, I, I uh, recently gave a talk to a group of parents of preschool-aged boys last week in New York City. And I, I shared with them two bits of research. The first is that in the for the first time in the history of a survey of expectant parents, the uh, uh, parents in the survey said, in answer to the question, which gender would they prefer, which which sex would they prefer? For the first time, parents said they would prefer to have a girl because boys' lives are too, quote, uncertain. In that survey, I think what's captured there is the anxiety that parents of boys feel. Mm -hmm. The second study that I, I, I reported to the, this, these parents was a study that came out in December 2022, last December, that found that cognitive decline was greater for parents of boys than for parents of girls. That and does not bode well for me, Michael. It gets worse, uh, Jen. Um, that, uh, you know, parents who have two boys have even more rapid decline 
<laughs> and I'm at four. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think that, you know, it's in the face of sentiments like that, that I say there's never been a better time actually in all of human history. And the reason for that is really simple. In my time, uh, my time as a psychologist, my time as a consultant at a boys school, mm -hmm. my time as someone in clinical practice, specialing in work with boys and men, I've seen a revolution in our willingness to apply science to the project of male development. When I first began the work, you know, we were guided by a lot of very strongly held beliefs that were largely ideological, essentially that were seeking to reproduce from one generation to the next a certain kind of male that fit into certain boxes that were predetermined. Mm -hmm. But I think with the women's movement and the tremendous impact on girls' lives that we've witnessed over the last several decades, the question arose, what about the boys? And we began to look more carefully at outcomes, developmental outcomes, and say, whoa, this is not great, whether it's in education or health or or relationships you know boys were behind and falling further behind mm -hmm. as you know i'm sure as, as your podcast has covered many times you know boys have under been underachieving relative to girls for a century we normalize that we just took that mm -hmm. for granted for generations until recently we've begun to say well can't we do something about that why is that the case what is it about our model of boyhood that's producing such poor outcomes? And so guys like me, folks like uh, many others, like yourselves, have been looking more carefully at the project of raising boys and beginning to really ask real questions and requiring evidence-based answers. I think what that means is that schools that I work with, for example, have come to really understand that boys are relational learners and there needs to be a relational pedagogy developed and practiced in order to really engage boys in learning. And that's that connection, that key word in the subtitle of your book. Connection is key for boys. Yeah. To your the second question you mentioned in your intro, Jen, uh, or, or implied in your intro, what's going on with younger men? In, in the State of American Men survey that was conducted by Equimundo and that's posted on their web, and perhaps you can put a link to their Definitely website. will be a link in the show notes, everybody. We found that 65% of 18 to 23-year-old men agreed with the statement, nobody really knows me well. 65%, two-thirds. Wow. Yeah, because as developmental developmentalists, what we know is that if you're not held in a relationship with someone that you believe knows you and cares about you, that means several things, none of which are good. Right. It, it means for, you know, we know in education, for example, back to your point about connection, that, that the relationship is what we call the mediating variable for engagement boys that aren't connected to their teacher or their coach are less able to really invest themselves deeply in learning or in athletic pursuits. There's just kind of a, a more a greater willingness to coast or worse, mm -hmm. stop trying altogether. You know, we, we uh, played with various titles for our book based on our global studies of boys' education. Ultimately, we settled on the topic, I can, the title, I Can Learn From You. But one of the titles that we played with was For Whom the Boy Toils. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That speaks to me as a writer, as a reader. Yes. Because it really is true that, you know, that, that for boys, I don't know that this is less true for girls. I think children in general are relational learners. Humans in general, I believe. Yeah, I think that I think that girls are perhaps more resilient and more determined to persist. Mm -hmm. Boys, it's more it's more fragile, it's more delicate. Boys will give up trying if they don't believe that someone uh, uh, really gets them 
cares about how they're doing. The uh, reason we titled the book ultimately, I Can Learn From You, is a play on a, on a famous book by a fellow named Herbert Cole, I Won't Learn From You. And we heard many boys tell us stories about teachers or coaches that they'd had a falling out with. And their conclusion was, I won't learn from him. They're done. I, and you don't get a second chance. I, I did an interview with a boy uh, and uh, he told me a story about a teacher with whom he concluded, I won't learn from him. And I said, but you're still in his class. You're going to get a grade from him. He said, I don't care. Willingness. How many times have you heard that from your coaching clients, Janet? How many times have we all heard that from boys in our circles, whether it's our sons, just boys that we know socially? It's a common complaint, isn't it? Yeah. And you know, in terms of motivation, it's relational. That's the point. Learning is a relationship of assent. The student has to agree to learn from you. And you can't threaten, incentivize, cajole. It has to be, we have a relationship. I'll work for you. And boys don't always make it easy. Janet, there's a whole, that's a whole can of worms. (laughs) (laughs) The reason is this. Male psychology, particularly in early childhood, I always reference a wonderful book by a colleague, Judy Chu, who's a lecturer at Stanford. She studied four to six-year-old boys. And what she found was that for many of those boys over the course of the two years that she followed them, things really dramatically changed in terms of their presence, their ability to really be themselves in a direct and authentic way in a relationship. They kind of had to step back, go behind a mask. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what that means is that for many boys coming to a relationship with a teacher or a coach in later elementary school or, or middle school or, comes in after that frame has been set, mm-hmm. where the boy has already concluded that no one really cares to know mm-hmm. me. And so what many boys will do is they will exhibit their resistance in a very interpersonal way. They'll aim it at the person that's inviting them to a relationship. And what we know from research on teachers is that many teachers take that personally. As do many moms, as you also know. Many moms, that's right. And dads. And, And so consequently, the boy is misunderstood as someone who's unavailable for relationship. And that compounds the problem, exacerbates the cycle. You have said so many things already, and we're just getting started, that I want to go back to. And and one I really want to highlight, you described boys as more fragile, more delicate. And I wrote that down and I highlighted it specifically because we in society are not used to hearing those words describing boys. And yet, it's true physiologically. We can look at all the studies that that show um, from pre-birth all through the lifespan that males tend to be um, more susceptible, more fragile for all kinds of things. You've been studying it from the developmental and psychological perspective. And it seems important to hear those words and to think of them in relationship to our boys. Because if we can look at these humans and realize that they are fragile, and delicate, not in a, you're going to break them kind of way. If you, you know, bump against them like a, like a vase, but that they need care and concern and to be held gently. Yeah. Many thoughts on this, the word fragile for the reasons you just indicated, or, 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 you know, I think it's, it's fraught for many parents. So I, I tend to use other words and a word that I've been playing with lately, particularly in relation to this State of American Men's Study, Mm -hmm. is the word precarity, Mm -hmm. developmental precarity. And what I mean by that is an insufficiency of relational connection that, you know, when someone is living a precarious life, we, we think of it as folks that are in some ways marginalized. They have insufficient support. They can't tell that their lives matter to someone. We tend to apply that word precarity to marginalized groups like the homeless mm-hmm. or folks that wind up, you know, up in Philadelphia 
in the in the you know the drug havens but i think more fundamentally when someone says they don't feel like anyone knows them very well it's a barometer it's a flag waving saying you know what i'm on my own here i don't can't tell that my life really matters to anyone or and mo this is really important when it comes to male development or that i'm accountable to anyone you know as you were talking this precariousness, this uh, feeling not known, not connected. I don't know if either of you have watched it all. Um, right now on Netflix, there's a documentary, Chimp Empire. It's it's a nature documentary, and it's exploring these lives of these chimpanzees. Obviously, you know, close um, biological relatives of ours, which it's impossible to watch them and not note that. And then some of the voiceover and description just makes you laugh even more because they're the one point the narrator says, 14 is a rough age for an adolescent male chimpanzee. And I'm like, uh-huh, and the humans. But this particular adolescent male chimp was also particularly at risk because he was an orphan. Mm. And he was very much fending for himself in his society. He was not as connected in to his society. He didn't have as many relations. His was a precarious position within the group. Right. And... Certainly there's differences, but there are some strong similarities. We humans are designed to be in relationship with others. None of us are designed to go through this life alone. I think that's the most important takeaway from the State of American Men study. No human is meant to go through life feeling alone. And yet we found, particularly in that age group, 18 to 23, so many young men saying that no one knows me well, one of the, I think, more shocking, hard to digest or hard to swallow findings about that age group uh, that's consistent with that, that sense of being alone, 40% yeah. reported depressive symptoms, 45% reported having suicidal ideation in the last two weeks. Where does your life go if you feel like no one knows you well or cares right. about you? the echo chamber of your own mind in which negative experiences get amplified and distorted and can easily cause a person to feel like, I can't take this anymore. On top of that, the study also showed that men aged 18 to 23, and this is so personal for me, I have at present two boys right in that age group, I've got a third about ready to come into it, have the least optimism for their futures. So you've got two thirds who don't feel connected. They're not feeling optimistic. You add all that up, it's unsurprising that you have so many young men feeling depressed and thinking about suicide. That is heartbreaking. It's terrifying because, as you also know, so many of our 18 to 23-year-olds may not be in our homes anymore. And it's harder to connect with an 18 to 23-year-old who feels disconnected than to start with a cute, cuddly infant. I'm also thinking about, you know, we woke up to the news again of a mass shooting in name anywhere in the United States. And that is also that age group. I don't have the facts in front of me, but that 18 to 23 year old who feels disconnected, who feels unseen, who feels unaccountable and unaccountable. Yeah. Absolutely. That's really the point that that I'm I'm trying to make, I think, Janet, you know, what what enables a boy to be his best self in a school setting? We know from our research, it's about feeling as though someone has you, is monitoring you, and that you, in a certain sense, owe them at least your best mm -hmm. effort. What inspires a boy to try his hardest to go to that vulnerable place where he can't do something and needs to work at it with the benefit of the teacher or the coach, what inspires that is a sense of trust and a sense of care and a reciprocal obligation. I had boys in our study, our, our educational studies, tell us that they would go to a classroom with a revered teacher and they wouldn't think of coming to that class not having done their homework. They wouldn't cut up or even talk out of turn in that class because they, and it wasn't that they were afraid of the teacher. They didn't want to let the teacher down. 
Yeah, mutual trust and mutual respect. Having been an educator, I know that the system is not set up for deep connections because you got to get the curriculum covered and then you got to do recess and it's it's really stressful. And, you know, the teachers are overburdened with their own lives and their own stressors. So it is hard to make that connection. So I really want to just shout out to all the educators and coaches out there who are trying their best. And it is tough to connect with all the other things going on. And especially, and it's it's that boy who resists the connection, who's the one who needs the connection mm-hmm. the most. And in one of your articles, you talked about your own sons when they're, when they were behaving badly, rather than pushing them away, go to your room, bringing them closer and the importance of bringing them closer and having that connection again, which may be easier when you have a couple kids in your household and you're parenting, but when you've got 25, 28 kids in a classroom, it can be really tough. Yeah, you're touching on many different uh, points that I, I think a lot about. The um, Just in, in terms of parenting, you know, I see so many parents who believe because boys may be, may have become noisy and belligerent in their resistance, their lack of cooperativeness, believe that that should be met by an exercise of force and domination, Mm -hmm. threat, punishment, scolding, shaming, and yet counterintuitively uh, or counter to how we've been conditioned, I do say to parents, that's the time when that boy, as you said, needs you the most. He's become disconnected from you. If you, in turn, become disconnected from him and and go to a place where you are reacting to his bad behavior with your own irritation or threat or fear, you're, you're still not connecting your heart to his heart. He's still alone. You might subdue his acting out, but I don't think anything in particular is learned there long term. Mm-hmm. The long game in parenting a boy who's having trouble behaving is to help that boy express what's driving his behavior off course, what emotional difficulty he's struggling with, learn to express that, develop the emotional vocabulary and the emotional awareness that he can self-regulate better. It's a long game, not a short game. Sometimes you have to play the the short game because things are bad or chaotic but you know you if if parents could make a strategic calculation is this a time when there's the space for me to intervene so that this boy can self regulate better let me invest in clearing my mind of my my reactions coming closer being very firm but not threatening not shaming and simply say what's going on Yeah. It's that softness of heart and being firm. I got you and let's connect what's going on. I know you, I know this is not who you are and and I need you to tell me what's going on so that we can get to the other side of this. We are going to take a brief pause in this illuminating conversation with Dr. Michael Reichert for these messages from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about Byheart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only US-made infant formula to use organic grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code onboys at byheart.com. That's B Y 
H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast, and it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer, and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is, deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, Increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. It's telehealth. You can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. I would love to hear your thoughts on how we can apply some of this to this, you know, 18 to 23 year old demographic, this age group. They act out also. They often act out in ways that are disturbing to us as parents, disturbing to us in society. We are even more likely, I think, to meet them with force uh, because they're big, they're strong, they're scary. They can create a lot of havoc and a lot of damage in the world. And yet they still need to be brought in. They need to be brought closer. In some cases, they've had nearly two decades of feeling disconnected. So let's start from the parental level, from the family level. Let's say that you have an 18 to 23 year old or somebody close to that age group. And you know, you're, you're worried about him. What can we do to um, best reach and reconnect with those young men. Yeah, right. What what are some solutions? Right? I know. Just solve the world's problems, Michael. Well, you know, um, I do think if we get things right with boys and men, we can solve a, a whole lot of the world's problems. <laughs> so I, I agree I'm, with you. It's why we're yeah. it's why we're here today. I'm with you there. So, you know, uh, uh, in one of the studies that Equamundo did for their Global Boyhood Initiative, they did a survey of parents. I think the boys were six to 14. Okay. And they asked the parents to indicate what qualities they would like to see their parenting of their sons achieve. 94% of the parents said emotional strength. Now, back to something you said earlier, Janet, you know, how we understand strength is the issue. Yeah. What what psychologists have come to understand is that grit and resilience and effort and determination, they don't come necessarily from shutting down your feelings, sucking up your emotional life and just digging in. There's a certain quality of hardening that has historically been associated with strength and it has produced 
what it has produced. You know, sometimes guys can be brave and tough and courageous and whatnot, you know, and, and we as a society have benefited in some ways, benefited from some ways from that. But I think that we're coming to understand that the strongest, most enduring qualities of resilience and grit come from someone who's connected to himself, who knows himself, and who is in a relationship with people that know them. They carry in their heads and their hearts a sense that there's there's a support system around them, someone that to whom they matter. And I think that what we need to do first and foremost to your question, Jen, is we need to help parents understand better what it means to be strong and, and help them yeah. reimagine what emotional strength in particular involves for their sons. I lead an uh, emotional literacy program at a boys' school outside of Philadelphia. And I've been running the program now since, gosh, uh, you know, maybe maybe 25 years, something like that. I have seen a sea change in how that program is being received. Today, the boys, they tend, they're 11th and 12th graders, so they're uh, 17, 18, 19 years old. They say that the program is the best program in the school. Wow. Not because not because I'm so great, but because they are longing for the opportunity to be real about what they're feeling and have some place, some opportunity to talk about what's going on. The kinds of things that we're hearing in that room uh, that boys have never told someone are shocking. We had yeah. a young man, each time we meet, we'll do various activities, including one guy will get a turn from the whole group of 40 or 50 of his peers. And this young man was taking a turn and he revealed that he had lost his dad before he was born. He was raised by his mom with his grandparents and his mom had died a year or so ago. And he was going from school each day to the graveyard setting up a chair and talking to his mom. And no one in school knew that. Wow. We have boys this year that told us that they had lost their best friend to street violence in Philadelphia. We have boys that talk routinely about alcoholic parents, unemployed parents, parents that are abusive. And all of this, you know, has been something they've tried to maintain in their own heads and hearts. Didn't want to burden anyone else with it. Didn't believe that anyone really cared or could handle it. You know, so we give them in the course of, you know, an hour, hour and a half meeting, they get maybe five, 10 minutes to talk to a peer as they practice this emotional literacy that we're encouraging. And number one, they have no problem doing it. Number two, they are incredibly grateful for the opportunity and number three, I am gratified and horrified at the same time that they only get a five-minute turn every couple of weeks yeah. to do that. My, my point is, you know, if we want our sons to be emotionally strong, we need to recognize what it really means to be a human being, have feelings, and need to manage emotional distress in a relational way. Mm -hmm. And we need to help, we need to build in programs like that one so that boys are having opportunities. And I have a whole set of suggestions for parents about how to do that work at home. Well, and it's, it is, and I want to hear some of those, but it is that place where in, in your school, you've created this program for 25 years, which probably 25 years ago, that was pretty revolutionary and not so many boys were partaking of it. And now you say, you know, you've got 40 or 50 boys in there, anxious, willing, wanting to talk, but also what you're teaching them is how to listen as well and That's be that peer support. And then eventually relation in relationships as they, as they grow. What many of the boys will say actually, Janet, is that the brotherhood that they achieve in that context is is particularly meaningful. Mm -hmm. You know that the the, uh, the ranger code leave leave no one behind. Yeah, 
I think it gives that ideal, that masculine ideal, new meaning. Mm -hmm. And of course, what the boys are grasping. So, you know, in this progress I've seen over 25 years in the way that younger men now understand what it means to be emotionally strong, I think that's my biggest takeaway is that these guys have no trouble breaking down and crying in front of each other, holding each other, you know, in very sweet and, and, and tender ways, supporting each other. And it's become the norm among the group of boys that you're honest about what you're feeling and you're not going to gossip about it anywhere else. Confidentiality is, is, is completely uh, honored and we've got you. And that's just an example, really, of what we can do mm -hmm. to help boys not become isolated in the emotional constriction of, you know, old-fashioned ideas about what it means to be strong. Mm -hmm. And to start early. You know, I was with a class of first graders yesterday. I'm already thinking about, oh, my goodness, they need to be doing this in that class. And and the teacher was doing that in a in a full class way, but to with 20 children, it's hard. And so to have this separate time just with boys, I think is really important. I'm just thinking of the parents out there going, yeah, but he's 13 and he won't talk to me. And how do I regain this trust and reestablish yeah. connection? What is something a parent can do? Yeah, that, that's the question that comes up every time I talk. You know, there's always, those stories are everywhere. And, you know, the truth is, and I, I think parents need to hear this, they have a superpower here. Your son needs you. He can't help it. Mm. No, matter, no matter how much you may have let him down, disappointed him, hurt him, no matter, biologically, psychologically, he still needs you. His heart and your heart are still bonded. And, you know, I'm in the business of helping people heal from hurts. And sometimes the hurts are terrible hurts. Mm. But our, our ability to bounce back, to be resilient, to heal is profound. It's completely, you know, our ability to heal and recover is completely up to the challenge mm -hmm. of whatever, whatever terrible things have happened. So if your son is is one of those boys that goes behind his door, locks it and gets on the video console and, you know, is gone for the night, what I say to parents is you need, first of all, to believe that you have a power and it's a power that is irresistible. No matter how much your son looks on the outside like he's rejecting you or uninterested in you, don't believe that. That's an adaptation. It's an outcome. It's an earned outcome. But behind that is the human heart that's still warm and beating. And if you if you set yourself up next to your son on the couch when he's watching football or playing a video game next to the table, and you don't pester him with your own worries or concerns or irritations or urgencies, but simply settle yourself into a, a space where you're going to pay attention to him and wherever he goes, you're going to give him this tremendous gift of your attention. That is oxygen for mm -hmm. the, the human being that your son is. And if you persist in offering him your attention, that's not accompanied by some covert agenda of exercising power or manipulating him, but it's genuinely based in delighted that he exists in your life and deeply interested in who he is and what his experience is. If you can offer him that kind of attention, you will reopen that channel that may have gotten closed. You will find your son. And by staying there and persisting in a regular way, your son will find ways to reveal himself to you more and more and more. And he'll have that resource in his back pocket as he goes through the later years of his life, including into his 20s. You know, they don't they don't stop needing us. 
when we when they when they you know become adults they still need exactly that they need a they need to know that you know in psychology we call it well held mm -hmm. and it's, it's a euphemism for that sense that we have when someone really knows and loves us we feel well held and you know every human being needs that brief pause in this conversation with dr michael reichert We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is, deal with it. Mm-hmm, deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, cruel. Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. It's telehealth. You can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. You know, I talked to you a month or so ago, maybe a little longer than that. I interviewed you for a Washington Post article about um, yes. teenage boys, young men, mental health. And you shared all that with me. And at that point in time, you told me this 18 to 23 year old men, two thirds of them say no one really knows me well. And I thought, ooh, I, I'm, I am afraid that at least one of mine in there would say that because he he likes to keep walls up between himself. But I will say this, after we got off the phone and some time went by, that son of mine had a challenge, 
happen in his life. And he called me and he called me in tears and he talked about it. And because he's no longer, you know, 16, um, he's a little more mature. He thanked me for being there for him. And I'm tearing up talking about this because to me, that is some evidence that despite the walls and despite the fact that, you know, he's, he is a product of our culture. There's a lot of young man bravado surrounding him. He felt well held enough to make that phone call. And that means a lot to me. And Jen, I just want to respond this way to you. You know, you, you, you said that you felt emotional uh, as you told that story because it, it was I'm wiping tears, listeners. Me it was too. reassuring to you. It was reassuring to you to see your son kind of more fully. Mm-hmm. But I think it also is emotional for you because of the validation that it represents yes. for you. You have love for your son and your son allowed your love to really make a difference. What a validation for a parent. You guys, you see why we love this man, right? It's exactly what we want. We want, we want to love our sons. Yeah. Have our love lift them up and help them be, you know, who they really are. You're right. And and with this being such a long game, so often we really don't have evidence that we're on track. I mean, we sort of think we are, but you don't really know. And we're all just doing the best as we go along. Um, one of the things that I've loved about having this conversation with you today is that you remind us and you show us of what is possible. Yes, there are challenges for boys and young men and all of those who love them and all of those who live in society with them. Yep, that exists. And there is a tremendous sense of possibility of connection and it's not theoretical you're doing it it is happening there are others who are doing it it is happening you these ripples it, will con- you can do it today yes yeah and, and these ripples will continue to spread in another conversation we had on this podcast recently we talked about uh fear fear of this age group 18 to 24 or even like 13 14 walking down the street, a group of boys and feeling, and I, I admitted it, feeling fear of here comes this, you know, group of five boys and I take a deep breath. And then I remember, yeah, they're just boys. They're just human beings like all the rest of us. And I do try to say hello and make eye contact. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but I, I really, feel deeply what you're saying about, you know, I don't have a 18 year old in my home, but they're in the coffee shop, they're in the grocery store. And just that moment of connection, if it's possible, sometimes it's not, but Mm -hmm. making that just that eye contact or that little gesture somehow can maybe connect with their heart in just a little tiny way. And that can open something for them. Yeah. I'm going to challenge you, though. You can go further than that. It's not a maybe that you are irresistible. If you if you locate the place in your heart where you truly are delighted with that that boy, that young man, and you're you're interested in who he is, you're paying attention to him with a with a stilled mind. Mm-hmm. You're going to find them responding to you it's in mm-hmm. it's inevitable mm-hmm. you may not see it initially because they have learned to be guarded they've learned yeah. to they've learned to um lower their expectations so they're not chronically disappointed mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that inside their heart isn't leaping at this person that's smiling at them and seems really interested in who they are I'm going to take up your challenge, Michael. I just moved to a pretty small town on my street. There's a, I've seen him. I haven't connected with him. He skateboards by, he's probably maybe 14, 13, 14. He's got his hat on. He's got his earphones on and he's, you know, eyes down skateboarding past me. 
think I'll step in front of him one of these days and say hello. So, you know, start start by just sitting on your porch or sitting on the sidewalk and just smiling as you watch him do his skateboard tricks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to come to their world and, and with a sense that who they are, what they're doing, what they're interested in, how they are is what's interested and interesting to us, mm-hmm. not what we need them to be in our comfort zones or our wheelhouses. Good point. Good point. We're always we're always modifying boys, children in general, but boys in particular, you know, seeing them to be different so that we can be comfortable with them. And for some boys that just, you know, who particularly boys that have become emboldened in one way or another, or who are especially disappointed, that won't work. They're not going to come to our comfort zones. (laughs) Listeners, if you have not yet read Michael's book, um, How to Raise a Boy, I highly recommend it. Get a copy, go to the library, share it, discuss it. It is well worth revisiting as well. And I will have a link to the State of American Men um, report also. It's, it is important data. If anybody's working on, you know, projects or advocacy regarding boys and young men, it, it, it's a wealth of information. And there is hope here. There is promise here. We are building a better tomorrow by holding our boys close. Michael, thank you so much for your time and sharing your expertise and your heart with us today. Thank you both. Really nice being with you both. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate the work you do. A powerful conversation. We thank Michael Reichert for being with us and for all the work he does in the world. Thank you too for being our listeners and supporting our sponsors so we can bring you more guests like this. We are the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of BoysAlive.com. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.